0: Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Cards Podcast with your host, Darren Darren. Herman. This podcast explores the world of sports cards from a variety of angles. Being a hobbyist collector for over 30 years, a professional software investor and angel investor in and around the card space, and a proud father who is raising children who collect and appreciate sports cards. If you want to learn more about Midlife Crisis Cards, head over to midlifecrisiscards.com where you can read his journey to card collecting his history and find some awesome individual cards to purchase from his personal collection or check out our brand new product, the cardboard box, a personalized and hand selected box of cards that arrive at your front door on the midlife crisis cards podcast. We explore the convergence of Darren's worlds in the sports card industry, where hobby meets business without further ado. Please meet our host, Darren Herman, a.k.a. at Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram and dherman76 on Twitter. All
1: right. Welcome to another Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. This one is going to be a fun one, um, although you're stuck with me on this one. This is, uh, this is Midlife Crisis Cards or Darren Herman. Uh, dherman76 on Twitter, or Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram. And uh, we're going to be talking about some things that I've been thinking about uh, over the last few months uh, and uh, would love to uh, have those thoughts with you, you know, the listeners. Um, so if you agree, disagree, want to contribute, have thought, please reach out. That's what this is all about. This is not a one-way conversation. This is, you know, I'm putting some thoughts out there and would love some feedback. So, uh, there's been a bunch of, uh, interviews, uh, and pot, uh, episodes since we first released this podcast, you know, we've talked everything from fractional card ownership to card manufacturing, to distribution, to online streaming content and commerce, um, to selling online, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we've touched upon, uh, and I've been busy in the background thinking of you know where are there ways to invest in the sports card uh, space, um, and I've been looking at it from uh, an investor perspective in the infrastructure of the space. I've been less thinking about it in terms of which Luca or which LeBron to buy that will appreciate the most, but more about coming at it as a software investor thinking, you know, what does the space need in order to continue to grow exponentially? And how do we create better collector and investor experiences for folks who are buying cards or sets or wax or whatever happens? So to get my bias out of the way, I've made three investments um, so far. Um, I've invested in a company called Loop, which we featured uh, a week or two ago on this podcast, which is doing live streaming video and commerce, which makes the breaking experience so much better. Um, I've invested in a company called Dibs, uh, which is a soon-to-launch platform that allows you to invest in cards and players and beyond. Um, and I've invested in a, in a company called Geniment, which is a next-generation uh, grading card company. So think uh, a tech-based PSA or BGS or SGC, um, and uh, I'm excited about those. And, and through some early investments in these companies, I've been learning a ton uh, and learning a ton about what's what's actually going on in the space. So there's been three three fun things that I'll share um that have happened, you know, uh over the past few uh, uh weeks really actually. Um I participated in basketball card guys loop session uh, and bought the New York Knicks team pack which made me smile. Uh lots of really great New York Knicks included. Uh, basketball card guy was one of the first, if not the first, uh, midlife Crisis cards podcast episode. He's one of the best. If, if you uh, are on Instagram and follow him, he's awesome. He's every, I've never met someone in the hobby who doesn't like him. Um, and he did a loop session where he was selling team packs and uh or player packs and uh, I bought the Knicks one and I just really loved it and I think even today on on my midlife crisis cards uh in Instagram I put up one of the John Starks uh cards that uh, he included in the pack uh and the card actually to me was was an interesting one it was the top's finest card from 1996 I believe um and the card in the background had a whole bunch of bricks uh, and um, I don't always love seeing bricks on basketball cards because bricks have a connotation of missing a shot. Um, and, yes, John Sarks missed some shots, but he really, you know, he's not known for bricking the ball. Um, and so I would have thought the designers of the cards probably wouldn't put bricks uh, on on uh, on cards. But, anyway, I digress. Um, the second one was I woke up. A big shout-out to Brett at Stacking Slabs. Um, I woke up last week to see a bunch of messages in my inbox um, from some of you, uh, and uh, those messages were like, whoa, do you see what Brett's doing over on Stacking Slabs? And uh, I I went over there and I watched, uh, I did not get to see it live, uh, clearly, um, but I watched a replay of... Him opening up a cardboard box that i sent him for the holidays um, which included some uh, wwe tops chrome cards and the limited edition peyton manning as uh, if you follow him you know that he's a big peyton manning collector um, and so uh, the cardboard box for all of you that are not familiar uh, is uh, our main product on midlifecrisiscards.com it's where you get to come in you select the key player of the box which makes up at least twenty percent of the box's value Uh, and then we round out the box with other amazing cards and ideally the market value of the box is what you pay so if you bought let's say the two hundred fifty dollar box you buy Luka Doncic as the primary player you'll get at least fifty dollars of Luka Doncic value in the box Uh, and then when you receive the box the box should be valued at least two hundred fifty dollars Um, and, uh, it's actually been awesome and, and it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of like a a mystery box or a discovery box where you're going to get some great cards and know you're going to get your money's worth. You just kind of don't know what you're going to get. Um, and that's been a lot of fun to put together. It actually was an idea for my kids as uh, the whole midlifecrisiscards.com is, is the way that I'm teaching them, uh, entrepreneurship and the cards that are coming out of it are coming from our personal collection. Um, and then the last is I bought a leaf inscription card um, of LaVar Ball. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with LaVar, it's Lonzo, LaMelo, and Leangelo's father. Um, and the card itself is autographed with, Mello is my favorite, <laughs> which is insane as a father to you know, say, hey, I, one of my children are my favorite. Um, and nevertheless, to put it on a card for everybody to see. Um, but, you know, uh, when, you, when you listen and follow LaVar <laughs> Ball, nothing is, is really shocking, uh, and uh, you know I appreciate that man's hustle and his tenacity, and he understands how to create headlines. Um, I posted the card on my story feed on Insta, and a friend saw it and pinged me about a card he had, which is part of the same series, and needless to say, I was able to uh, buy it, and it's now uh, in transit on its way to me. More on that in my Instagram feed at Midlife Crisis Cards in the coming week or two. I believe I should. Have. I don't know. I think I should have it probably by the end of this week, um, and I'll definitely put it up there. It's it's going to be awesome, um, and I'm super excited. And and also we had Brian Gray, the CEO of of Leaf, on this podcast a couple of podcasts ago. And uh, what's cool about this is the card for Levar Ball is from Leaf, um, which is one of the oldest sports card brands. Um, maybe not as as recognized as Panini or Tops or Upper Deck uh, these days, because it doesn't have many of the league licenses um, like Panini or Tops or Upper Deck does. But they are able to get athletes, uh, and some of our favorite athletes are have Leaf cards, which is super cool. So anyway, those are three cool things. You know, um, Basketball Card Guys Loop Session, um, getting to see Brett from Stacking Slabs open up a cardboard box uh, on his channel. Uh, and then the super cool Lavar ball, uh, leaf inscription card. Um, so those are, those are three fun things that happen. but you no, know, the point of this episode, um, is to share some things that I'm thinking about, um, as it relates to the sports card space. Um, so let's talk about that. I'm going to come out and say, I just took a sip of coffee, but I'm going to come out and say it. Um, but I, I, I do think we are in a sports card bubble, um, when everyone says that things are going to continue to go up, you got to be careful. Um, there are many factors to this, um, and 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 just because I say that we're in a sports card bubble, it doesn't necessarily mean we're in a bad thing. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a great time. I'm smiling. Um, I'm I'm making a ton of friends. I am, you know, buying and selling and and uh, you know having a great time. But you have to recognize that this is a time period where prices are potentially uh, uh, dislocated from where the value of the cards actually could and should uh, potentially be. Uh, And I may take a little bit of hate mail for that, um, and I'm not trying to upset anybody, um, but I do worry. Um, Now, I do realize the sports card industry has been growing for the past several years, Attendance to the national was up uh, in previous years when, you know, COVID wasn't around. Um, But the growth rate of the industry over the past year is unprecedented in the primary and secondary markets. I love it. Um, And as many smart investors would say, you're not officially an investor until you've invested in both bull and bear markets. And at some point, the music will stop. And in this particular bull market, we'll start to enter bear territory. And so many collectors and speculators have only been in the sports card market as it's gone up. And that's like, you know, picking Chicago Bulls as your favorite basketball team just as they won their first championship. And then, you know, you go on an amazing ride with the Bulls over, uh, you know, the 90s. Sorry, their first championship in the 90s. But it's like going on an amazing ride with the Bulls and thinking, you know, all it is, is championships, 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 until it's not. And that's when you wake up and say, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. Um, and so, you know, we're not in a bear market by any means. You know, ni- the 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan PSA 10, you know, crossed $222,000 at a golden auction. The PSA 2 just hit $3,200, um, you know the market continues to rise because that same PSA 10 well not the same one but a version of a PSA 10 on the Michael Jordan Fleer you know was $150,000 you know 30 plus days ago um, you know the 2003 Tops Chrome LeBron James base PSA 10 is at $20,000 today but October 21st which isn't so long ago uh it was just under $10,000 so the market is continuing to go up you know we we end for those that are unfamiliar a bull market is when things are rising and a bear market is when things are falling or, or at sort of a fallen stasis level. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we're all good in a bull market. Everyone looks amazing. You know, everyone's driving Lamborghinis. Um, I don't, but you know, everyone looks good in a bear market, sorry, a bull market, but when you get to the bear market, that's where, you know, people run for the hills, people get hurt. Um, And, you know, what I just want to tell folks is, you know, be careful, Um, you know, think about, uh, you know, the law of physics, every action has an equal and positive reaction. Um, And, uh, you know, we haven't seen many times when something just continues, continues, continues to grow. Uh, And so you know this may be 30 days out this may be 3 months out maybe 3 years out 30 years out but at some point in musical chairs the music stops and you could be the one standing and so my request to all of you as as you know listeners and part of the midlife crisis cards community is you know if the music stops which it's going to are you going to be financially okay with the cards that you're holding and may not necessarily be able to get rid of so quickly. And that is a strong statement. It's not meant to scare you. I'm not meant to throw off alarms, but you need to be okay with your holdings. And this is why, uh, you know, I love to collect for the art of collecting. uh, And I'm okay if I'm holding, you know, a bunch of ex. 2001s or, you know, a bunch of beautifully designed cards that, you know, may have strong financial value, but at the same time, that financial value may go down, but their artistic value is as strong as it ever was. And so, you know, if you are purely speculating and you've got, you know, six Luca $30,000 plus cards and a bunch of Kobe $20,000 plus cards, and you absolutely need that money to to live off of, you should, you know, think about that. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to sell too early, um, but you also don't want to be holding on uh, too late. So that's all I'll say. But that is something that I am thinking about as I talk to folks that are you know, really pouring money um, into this space. Second topic is that I'm thinking about is what happens to the 2019-20 era cards, like right now, the ones, and this is specifically to, you know, basketball. I could see it playing in a little to baseball. Um, yes, you know, it's turning out to be a great rookie class, especially in the NBA, but there's a ton of new money concentrated in this area. I'd be curious to see the full analysis of all dollars concentrating in Zion, Ja, RJ, Darius, etc. compared to other rookie classes. Maybe 2018 is somewhat similar with Luca, Aiton, Young, uh, and other, other rookies that are part of the, the 18 class, and clearly 17 had good rookies too. Um, is this the new normal though? You know, with the popularity and the rise of the NBA and the ever presence of social media, you know, Twitter, Snap, TikTok, et cetera, all in our pockets, you know, speculating and distributing content on these players is easier than ever. Uh, And so, you know, is investing in and concentrating dollars in these rookie classes, you know, the way to go? Maybe it is. I'm not sure. Um, you know, do you want to get into the rookie class super early and hold the cards to see, you know, how the player does six, seven, eight, nine years down the line? You know, is it cheaper to get in, in, in the early days, or do you sort of buy in down the line? Um, if that's kind of, uh, what you're going into. And so for me, I think the 1920 class is interesting because that's when we've seen a ton of money move into the card space and that ton of money is going into John Zion and others, and, you know, what it, what? It, what does that really mean? Um, you know, are they overbought? I don't think they're oversold, but are they overbought? Um, you know, are they overgraded? Um, you know, that's a question. Um, and so these are all just things that I've been sort of thinking about. And do I want to go deep in the 1920 rookie class, or do I think I can go elsewhere? Um, the third area is a quick tidbit on you know some of us are seeing institutional investors moving into this space and you know the for many of you uh to define an institutional investor is a corporate entity that has a sole purpose of investing uh that is you know has a fund or a rolling fund or a special purpose vehicle or something that they're going in and they are buying something or investing in something. Uh, and so some of us have seen funds that are created to go in and buy LeBron James rookie cards or Michael Jordan rookie cards or just PSA 10 cards or just Kaboom Golds or, you know, there's, there's no limit to what they could do or buy, um, just needs the capital to go do it, the money to go do it. Um, and so what's good about this is it creates liquidity or creates opportunity for a lot of us to sell our cards if we wanted to because the funds could go in and buy it and you know they have lots of money and you know it allows us to sell our cards Um, but what i would say is with institutional capital coming into the space if it's going to happen at scale and scale's the important thing, which is not just one institutional investor, not just two institutional investors, not just three, but if it's going to be, you know, more uh, than well more than three, um, then you know, if you think about it, institutional investors are professional investors that are chasing alpha. You know, they're chasing returns. They're looking for ways to make money on their money, uh, or their investors' money. And just as fast as they come into this space is just as fast as they can leave this space. And so, you know, something to think about there is that, you know, all of a sudden if we find out, that, I don't know, $12 million, $13 million of new money, institutional money enters the sports card market overnight, that 12 or $13 million can leave the sports card market um, if there are other asset classes or other areas that those investors can go find greater alpha or greater returns um, for their dollars. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, just as quick as things come in is as quick as things can go out. Um, and uh, uh, just something to think about. I don't know what to think about that, but it is something that I that I have been thinking about. And then the, the fourth area of structured thought is around fake cards and fake slabs, and I have been looking online uh, at you know much the same as much of you uh, out there uh, in reading you know much of the same uh, articles uh, that uh, or or posts that that you have been reading and folks like card porn and. Patrick Ryan and others are absolutely pointing these things out, and their (laughs) amazing uh, detective uh, work on some of these things. But they worry me, and and they worry me because it's it's seemingly very easy uh, to fake a card or fake a slab, you know, all things considered. And it didn't hit me hard until a friend of mine, who I'll keep nameless, uh, sent me uh, an Instagram uh dm uh with uh, a couple of cards a a real one and a fake one and had me point out which was the real and which was the fake and these are like fairly complicated cards that had either you know some fancy foil had some patches multicolor patch like a tricolor patch Um, they had like hologram type stuff Like these aren't just like a white card with a picture (laughs) that you could just print at like a Kinko's. Um, These were like legitimate cards, and some and and some other ones also had some autographs, and I like was like at fifty percent at best, which were real and fake. Like I I, and and the ones that I got right, I had no reason getting right. It was just like you know playing black or red at uh, and craps. Like I they looked identical. Um, and uh, uh, or sorry, playing black or red at, at roulette, but but um, you know they looked identical, and that's kind of scary. And you know uh, the hobby, you know, is bi- built upon trust. Um, you know, we're trusting each other not to screw each other over. You know, we're trusting each other with 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 good cards. We're trusting each other if you're buying online that a card's not damaged. You know, we're trusting each other that you know an autograph is real. You know, we're trusting each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but if you can make one fake card, you can make many fake cards. Um, if you can print one fake slab, you can make many fake slabs. Uh, and the fact that if you made one, uh, there's probably many, many others out there. And, and, and that's concerning for me. Um, and it should be concerning for lots of folks um, because you could easily kill trust in an ecosystem. Uh, and, you know, trust is what we all have. You know, this we're, we're hopefully, you know, I assume that most of us wake up every day and want to be good people. Um, and, uh, you know, we uh, we we network and work and communicate and, and, and talk to each other to to increase, you know, the uh, the hobby, um, you know, for the for the art of it, um, for the value of it, etc. cetera. Um, but, you know, without the trust, you know, we we, we, we have very little. Uh, and so, you know, the fake cards, uh, when I've seen how real they are, you know, those are, those can keep me up at night, especially if I'm going to, you know, spend some real, real dollars, um, and, uh, go and try and buy something, you know, I really want to know that's real. And so, you know, clearly this has happened in the sneaker industry. This happens in the art world. This, this absolutely happens in the wine, uh, industry. There's an amazing documentary in the wine industry, uh about a, uh, uh essentially this someone who creates um uh basically fake fake wine although what's interesting is the wine actually tastes good He's the, the the person's able to manipulate the the taste profile to match you know fancy bottles of wine and then sells you know you know prints a label that looks exactly like the fancy bottle and then goes and sells it um and uh you know, the wine actually really tastes good. The problem is, it's just not, it's not from the vineyard (laughs) that everyone expects it to be from. Um, And this happens in many places, Um, at least in the automotive industry, you know, the the replicas are true replicas and they, you know, they call them replicas and such. Um, But uh, here in the card world, you know, there's some bad actors. And so that, that that scares me a bit. Um, uh, And so hopefully, you know we can we can find ways to police this a bit um and when i say police i don't necessarily mean it needs to be top down um but uh you know whether it's bottoms up or top down you know there's a way to go do that i like what ebay is trying to do um in the certification of their sneakers um you know they're taking a page out of the playbook from some of the startups that certify you know uh whether sneakers are are, are real or not um but uh you know i imagine something's going to come from Uh, the sports card space uh, as well. Uh, So those, those are some of the areas that are, that are keeping me up at night. Um, You know, I'm loving this, this basketball season so far. My New York Knicks um, started hot. You know, they scared me the last couple of games that showed like old Knicks, Um, but um, you know, they're starting pretty, pretty strong. I've seen um, some maps of the market that are showing, you know, interest in sports cards are still strong uh, in in the in the basketball uh, category, um, and uh, you know that's all super positive. And you know, I'm still smiling and still meeting many of you. And midlife crisis cards is still going strong, and you know that's what's beautiful about this. Um, and so, you know, hopefully some of these thoughts uh, are helpful to you as you think about. You know you're collecting and you're speculating and you're investing, uh, and you know should you agree or disagree or just have comments, please again reach out. You know I'm D Herman seventy six on Twitter, Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram, uh, and would love to hear from from all of you. Uh, until the next podcast episode, have an awesome time. Hopefully your your teams continue winning games, your players play phenomenally, your cards go up in value. Uh, stay classy and let's go Knicks Mm -hmm. take
0: care Thank you for listening to the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. We had a ton of fun putting this episode together. And we want to thank you for listening. We want to hear from you, so please don't be a stranger. You can reach Darren at At Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram or at dherman76 on Twitter. If you want to stop by and check out our collection of cards, listen to other podcasts, or have fun configuring our new product, the Cardboard Box, a set of hand-curated sports cards delivered to your door, come visit midlifecrisiscards.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay classy, and let's go Knicks.